what's going on everybody welcome to episode 239 of the dfs dose podcast your fix of daily fantasy sports information strategy and analysis i'm your host ben hover joined as i always am by joey carrion and on today's show we are going to look again at NFL training camp news. Ton of stuff flowing out. We have to stay up to date. This is our edge right now. You know, we still have a couple of weeks left of uncertainty in the NFL before the picture becomes very clear, I think, in terms of role. So if we can decipher these news and notes well, better than the field, I think there is a massive edge in best ball right now. So let's get right into it. Unfortunately, Joey, injury season is upon us. We always knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter of who, you know, the football gods took from us. And and their first victim was Tim Patrick with a torn ACL on Tuesday. What do you think the fantasy implication of this? He's obviously going to miss the year and this should theoretically consolidate targets from Russell Wilson in Denver. Yeah, I think this injury obviously boosts I think KJ Hamler the most um, mm-hmm. as now he'll just be in line to probably see more snaps as the Broncos wide receiver three, but it obviously boosts Sutton and Jerry Judy as well. So, uh, Tim Patrick is a very capable wide receiver in the NFL, pretty talented. You take that player out of the offense and like you said, it just consolidates the targets around some of the top guys on the team. I think that all three of these guys, ADPs, are going to rise a bit I think that Sutton and Judy are kind of priced near their ceilings already so there's really no edge to be had there you could definitely get some closing line value on KJ Hamler right now maybe there's like a day or two left of it max but Uh he'll he'll probably rise quite a bit and you know I I would expect him to be one of the top risers in best ball ADP yeah I mean Sutton to me is already kind of a roll of the dice at the 3-4 turn. So I I don't really see myself continuing to buy if his price goes up because of this. Judy has been a buy for me, especially on drafters where he's available in the mid-fifth round, just because of the discrepancy between him and Sutton. And we don't really definitively know that Sutton is like a lock to get more targets or be the true wide receiver one there. It could easily be Judy. So I've been buying Judy more as of late. I would be careful with like boosting KJ Hamler too high because I just, you know, look at him and Patrick as completely different players. Like I don't think that KJ Hamler can like just automatically slide into the Tim Patrick role. Really, I mean, if anything... I think the tight ends, Dolchich and and Albert O might get even a slight boost in the middle of the field for sure. Definitely. I mean, KJ Hamler has been cheap all offseason. He just returned to practice. He hasn't done too much in the NFL yet. Maybe he he does remain a value for a few days. So continuing to buy Hamler as well. Also in injury news, James Washington for the Cowboys broke his foot. He is out six to 10 weeks. We've already been talking about how the opportunity for CD Lamb this season is otherworldly, and they just lost another major piece of their offense. I mean, would you consider James Washington a major piece? You know, he's, he's a role player at best in the, in the NFL. Okay, but I think that he was going to be playing 80% of snaps at wide receiver until 
Gallup gets back, and who knows when that'll be. Yeah, the timeline for Michael Gallup is uncertain at this point, so we don't know when he's going to be back, but he will definitely garner opportunity when he is out there on the field. Until that happens, CeeDee Lamb is just in line for significant opportunity. The competition there now is Jalen Tolbert, who has rose quite a bit in best ball drafts, and then who else do they have besides Jalen Tolbert? Really nobody, right? Like Noah Brown, I think. I don't know. Yeah, Noah Brown, semi-fiaco, fia- fi- or however you pronounce his last that's name. Not a real, that's not a real person. Cavante <laughs> Turpin from the U- USFL are just some guys that they have on the roster. So early in the season, CeeDee Lamb is, is going to absolutely smash. I definitely think the Cowboys make it a priority to you know, try and at least be in on the Will Fuller uh, sweepstakes. And, you know, if they were to get Will Fuller, that that would be pretty electric for the Cowboys offense. But as it stands right now, CeeDee Lamb is one of the best picks you can make in, in the early rounds, in my opinion. Yep, I've moved him up to 11th overall in my best ball rankings. And, and I might switch uh, him to 10 with Devontae as, as you did. As we discussed during our wide receiver ranking show, I think it might be time to make that switch. Lastly, with injury news, Van Jefferson tweaked his knee, I guess, during practice. He's going to be undergoing knee surgery, putting his week one status in doubt. I'm just going to say this right now, like the Rams signing Odell is inevitable. They brought it up again during, you know, the press conference in response to this Van Jefferson thing. Not that it would do much for the early part of the season if Jefferson misses time because Odell's obviously still rehabbing his ACL injury. But I don't know, man, like it it seems like the Rams are just going to have this crazy one-two punch of Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. And and that's just where the targets are going to go. And I'm pretty stoked. I've been drafting a ton of A-Rob this week. Yeah, I I think it's pretty apparent that that's how they're going to run their passing offense, and then everybody else will just be a role player. Obviously, the running backs will get targets, Tyler Higby will get targets, but this offense is going to run through Cooper Cup first and foremost, and then it's going to run through Allen Robinson. And I think they are two very good players, two very good wide receivers. Cooper Cup, obviously, is a great fantasy wide receiver. And Allen Robinson, I think, is due for a nice bounce back season until Odell is healthy, which might not be until November. Kind of a similar situation to, to last year where, you know, they signed him for the late season run. I think that Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson are going to smash Absolutely. All right. Let's transition away from injuries. Hopefully we don't have to address this again before the season starts. I'm sure we will, though. That is just the way the game works. I would like to now go position by position through the stories that have been popping up over the past couple of days, see what stands out to us. And at quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, this team might be in trouble, man. I mean, all reports are that Mitch Trubisky is struggling in camp. He hasn't looked good. He's not looking sharp per reports as recent as today from The Athletic, but Kenny Pickett hasn't looked good either. You know, he's worked exclusively with the third string offense for the majority of training camp, OTAs, minicamp, etc. It seems like Trubisky is a lock to be the starter, at least at week one, and Pickett hasn't done anything to push him in, in any sort of way. Deontay Johnson is in the middle of contract disputes that are not close between himself and the team. Chase Claypool dealing with a shoulder injury. I think that this offense in general could be in major trouble, and I think that Mike Tomlin is heading for his first season below 500 in, in his coaching career 
career this year. Yeah, I think that, you know, people expecting Mitch Trubisky to not be trash are just setting themselves up for disappointment. Of course. We know we know what he is. We know the type of quarterback he is. He has some upside, some ceiling. He has 35-point games in his range, but the floor is just extremely low with Mitch Trubisky. And then Kenny Pickett is, uh, is obviously a rookie quarterback, and the the transition is tough, and who knows when he'll start. He'll probably start by October at the latest, mm-hmm. and the offensive efficiency could definitely be very bad for the Steelers. I think that their defense is solid enough and their coaching is solid enough to win them games, but if Trubisky and or Kenny Pickett don't work out as the quarterback, yeah, I, I definitely agree that the Steelers could be in trouble this year, but my question really is, are they that much of a downgrade from Ben Roethlisberger last year, and they ended up winning nine games, right? Nine or ten games, so... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I've been on the bandwagon that it can't get worse. But then again, you know, Mitch Trubisky has been known to surprise. And I don't want to (laughs) underestimate his ability to be absolute dog shit. I really don't. That's that's your boy, though. My boy? That's your boy. No, that's your boy because he won you a tournament. Eh. That's That's your boy. You should have got his uh, jersey, to be honest. I mean, if he wins me something this year, then then I will. But I don't know. All right, we. I actually for, I forgot that he. Stack. I forgot he was part of that team. That now that you said that, him and Anthony Miller, man, shout out Anthony Miller. Steelers regular season wins seven. What are you taking? Under is plus one hundred five. Over is minus one twenty five. I think the sharp money's on the under. Yeah, if I if I had to choose gun to my head i'd probably lean under but they they could definitely hit the over the only other quarterback story that really stood out to me was today jimmy garoppolo was cleared for full practice he's kind of the last quarterback in limbo obviously the 49ers have fully handed the reins over to trey lance trey lance is the starter jimmy g most likely i mean he wants out right like he wants to be a starter in the nfl but is there a starting job for him this season there should be i think jimmy garoppolo is definitely a top 32 quarterback in the nfl in my opinion he's better than a drew lock or a geno smith he's better than a marcus mariota or desmond ritter or trubisky or you know even jared goff now will he be i'm not sure because the 49ers have zero leverage in this situation i don't think they can trade him especially when everybody knows that you want to get rid of him so why give up capital for a player that inevitably should be cut but then again they can't cut him because they're paying him like 25 million dollars and it'd be a huge uh cap hit so it's a tough situation for the 49ers the most likely destination for jimmy garoppolo is seattle and he's in the division too so The 49ers are just in a tough spot with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think most likely he plays for another team, but it's well within the range that he plays backup quarterback this year for the 49ers. And if Trey Lance were to go down, they have probably the best backup quarterback in the NFL in Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo ready to go if, if needed. And at the end of the day, he still led them to the NFC Championship game last year. Like he's a capable starting quarterback in the league. Yeah, I mean, I'm starting to think that the only way that he makes starts in the NFL is with an injury, whether it's to Trey Lance or whether it's to somebody else that, you know, prompts a team to have to give up that, you know, quote unquote leverage and and make a trade for him. Maybe an in-season trade if if your quarterback goes down. 
I think that that's well within the range just because I don't see them trading him to Seattle specific. I mean, that, that type of trade, like, especially of a quarterback of that caliber within the division, I just don't see that happening. And then, you know, like, yeah, he's an upgrade over Jared Goff, but the lions aren't going to trade for Jimmy G no shot. Like, you know, the, the Steelers just spent a first round pick on Kenny Pickett. They're not going to do it. So I don't know. I think it's a injury or bust for Jimmy G making significant starts this year. Let's talk about some running backs. And, you know, it kind of got lost in the Deshaun Watson news burst that occurred earlier this week, but there was news around Alvin Kamara and his potential suspension as well with the court case getting postponed to September 29th. That was 60 days from, you know, whenever this decision was made. It's looking less and less likely like Alvin Kamara is going to be suspended this year. However, if for some reason they're not able to get this case postponed again come September, then we could be looking at a situation where he starts for the first three, four weeks of the year and gets suspended midseason. I think that that would be the nut low outcome here. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think the absolute nut low outcome would be him getting suspended toward the playoffs. I think you could probably survive potentially if he were to miss, let's say, week five to 11 if he got a six-game suspension. But nonetheless, it's looking like his case isn't going to be heard until 2023, which will then, you know, in turn allow Kamara to play the full season. His ADP has gone up by about six spots over the last week, and we were on it. Uh, I specifically, you know, had brought it up that a lot of people have mentioned that this was a possibility, and now it's becoming more and more likely, and now we're going to start to see Camaro rise. I think you could still get some value in on Camaro right now, but over the next month or so, when people realize he's not going to be suspended, I think Camaro becomes a, you know, top-end second round pick yeah i mean i I would still be drafting camara as much as you can i think in best ball specifically like these large field tournaments we're just completely fading the downside of him getting suspended because the upside is being a top five fantasy running back and Mm -hmm. that should be all we're trying to chase in these you know top heavy payout structure tournaments so i'm still going to be you know hammering a ton of camara in the third round while we can and even in the second as he rises are you handling it differently and say i'll redraft league your home league your friends and family league where you know the the middle of his range is as important as the top yeah i mean i think i think in redraft you you draft camaro with without a doubt without a care in the world he, he's as good of a pick just because of waivers you can mitigate the loss of one of your top running backs with waivers each and every single week uh, especially if you're sharp and you know you're getting ahead of the curve on some guys and you're you're just paying attention that's that's really the edge in redraft is waivers i think it'll help mitigate a potential camara suspension uh you know you could always stash mark ingram or another Saints running back to kind of uh, take over if Camaro were to get suspended. All right. And other running back news, let's go to the Rams where Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson are essentially splitting first team reps 50-50. Sean McVay said this week that 
you know, he looks at it as having two starting running backs. Like this could dead ass be a 50-50 split. You know, we've sort of speculated that with the amount of loyalty that the Rams showed Cam Akers, you know, putting him into a full-time workhorse role coming off of an Achilles injury early that, you know, Akers would maintain that coming into this year. But, you know, his inefficiency may have struck a chord with the team and they're willing to just let him and Hendo split. If that's the case, Akers in the fourth round and and Henderson in the 12th is a massive discrepancy that we should probably be looking to correct. Yeah, I mean, I think it was fairly obvious that Daryl Henderson was going to have a role on this team with how he played last year. He was one of, you know, the best fantasy running backs when healthy last season. I felt like we were playing him in DFS every single week just because his role was so good and he was also producing. Obviously, he's kind of injury prone and whatnot and a lot of people kind of fade him based on that. We don't agree with that, but nonetheless... Uh, that that is the concern with Daryl Henderson is he just has not been able to stay healthy throughout his entire career. But I, I truly do think that this is a split backfield. I do think that Cam Akers range in terms of becoming a workhorse is, is definitely higher. And I think it's still a possibility that it happens as we saw you know, two years ago towards the end of that season when he was toting like 25, 30 touches a game and having a couple monster games at the end of that season. So in the fourth round, I think it's a little too expensive for Cam Akers. In the 12th round for Daryl Henderson, I think it's too too cheap. I think Daryl Henderson should probably be a ninth or 10th round pick and Cam Akers should probably be a fifth or sixth round pick. But I have zero Cam Akers so far this offseason. I mean, I, I just think he's been one of the the clear-cut worst picks for numerous reasons, and Daryl Henderson being a factor is one of them. In some Chicago Bears news, the Athletics' Kevin Fishbane reported that David Montgomery has been seeing special team reps throughout camp. This is confusing to me. You know, special team reps for like an incoming rookie at running back is great because it, you know, ups their chance of making the team and then, you know, eventually cutting it you know, a role for themselves out in the offense. I don't know if it's a good sign for your fourth year running back that you've given over 220 touches to every single year of their career. I don't know what they're doing with David Montgomery. Also, Khalil Herbert has been seeing quite a bit of first team reps in the offense. Montgomery's just a weird pick in fantasy this year. You know, he goes after even that tier of like ETN, Akers, Brees Hall. He's like right around the fifth round range. I don't know, is is his role going to change this year? You know, is, is he no longer going to be a, a, a workhorse for Chicago? What impact do we see Herbert having here? I think Herbert is good enough to garner some opportunity and take it away from David Montgomery. Obviously, this report is just the epitome of camp news. Like, this does not matter at all. He's obviously not going to play special teams. You don't think he's, ro- he's returning punts week one? No. <laughs> He he's not he's not going to play special teams. Uh, that's just a stupid report, to be honest. I think David Montgomery is just your clear cut running back dead zone pick. I think that there's players that go around him that are better from a ceiling perspective. I think his floor is obviously a little bit higher, but he's just going to be a guy that gives you a solid thirteen to fifteen points on average throughout the entire season. He's not sexy, but he definitely has some value and he should have a lot of opportunity. He's probably the second best player on the Bears offense, they are going to give him touches. 
I don't have much, but I think he's okay. Yeah, he's fine. He's a tear break for me because after him, you know, we get into like the J.K. Dobbins, Josh Jacobs range of guys that I'm fully fading. I think Montgomery is is a cut above those guys. So I've, I've taken some exposure. He's like really in his own range of ADP from running back 19, which is Cam Akers at 44.3. The next running back is Dobbins at 61.7 with Montgomery just being the only guy in the middle there. So he is just like in his own world. I think he's okay, like you said not a sexy pick by any stretch another running back report from the chargers earlier in the week or maybe towards the end of last week it was reported that spiller was the only running back getting first team reps alongside austin eckler which was a promising report but then it came out on tuesday that he is primarily working with the second and third team and it's roundtree and kelly getting reps with the first team alongside eckler you know maybe they're just doing different things throughout camp getting different guys involved i believe that spiller has the most upside outside of Eckler to carve out any type of role in this offense. I mean, Kelly and Roundtree are just stone cold scrubs in my opinion. Spiller should be the guy that if Eckler were to ever go down would see a massive spike in in value. I'm not putting too much credence into the reports that he's with the second and third team this week. I think that, you know, it's probably just a situation where they're making him earn his role. Yeah, I mean, I I agree and I think if I think if Eckler were to go down, it would just become a running back by committee. I don't think Spiller becomes the workhorse by any stretch. And, you know, his prospect profile is trash. He's in the 20th percentile for 40, 27th percentile for speed, 24th percentile for burst. He's not explosive at all. He's not fast. Um, maybe he's solid in, in the receiving game. Obviously, a lot of running backs just aren't used in that role in college. But if Eckler were to go down, this just becomes a full-blown committee and see which one comes out on top. And I don't think Spiller is guaranteed touches at all, even with Eckler healthy. So as the RB39, he, he's, I mean... He's an easy fade, in my opinion. I'd rather have Madison, who's going below him. I'd rather have Rashad White. I'd rather have Cordero Patterson, who's going a spot above him. I'd rather have Daryl Henderson, who we already talked about. He's just an easy fade. Fair enough. Let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. We've been sort of debating this back and forth for months. You know, is it is it Rojo? Is it Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? McKinnon resigns. Maybe it's Jarek McKinnon. No. The answer, Joey, all along was Isaiah Pacheo. 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 I don't know. But the seventh round rookie has been, you know, taking significant snaps in the first team. He's been getting split out wide. He's been impressing as a pass catcher. And he seems like the favorite to be a returner on special teams, which is great news because if he makes the team and he's active every day on game day because he's part of special teams, that just opens the door for him to make a role for himself in this offense. I mean, I don't think it's outside of the range of possibilities that this Clyde Edwards-Hilaire hype just never lands, that Rojo seems to be in a spot where he is like 50-50 to even make the team. Pacheo, free right now, 20th round pick, not for long because he's the highest trending player on player profile or people are coming around to it. But I think that, you know, for a free asset in best ball, the upside is really high with him. And I think that we should be getting a lot of exposure while we still can. Yeah, I mean, he's free. He's obviously worth a long shot dart throw in the 20th round on DraftKings and and drafters and and in the 18th round and underdog for sure. Obviously, there are a lot of bodies 
that I think will inevitably be ahead of him on the depth chart. I mean, you said it's him all along. No, it's it's always been CEH. <laughs> I mean, Pete Sweeney, uh, I'm assuming he's a Chiefs uh, beat reporter. He tweeted yesterday that when it comes to the running backs with the Chiefs first team, it's been all Clyde Edwards Hilaire taking the first rep almost every every series. Jared McKinnon has usually been the next up with Isaiah, Pat Pacio, Ronald Jones, and Derek Gore mixing in from time to time. It's it's CH. This is CH's job, at least to start the season. Now, will it work out? Who the fuck knows? But he's at his cheapest price of all time. And if anybody's been listening to us or to me specifically, you've you've been buying CH. I I don't know. I'm not too concerned about Isaiah Pet. Pacio or however you say his last name. I mean, I I should have known better than to throw any dirt on Clyde Edwards Hilaire's name around you. I I don't know what I was <laughs> thinking. That's that's your son. Like you birthed him yourself. I mean, I mean, it, it's just like we kind of flip flop because like I can recognize when players' values are way too high. Hence him in his rookie year and in last year, he's being drafted as a second round pick, first round pick. No, but now he's an eighth round pick. Yes, I'm in, hundred mm. percent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep makes all the sense in the world all right wide receiver news not too much the most impactful wide receiver news is what we touched on at the top of the show with the injuries this stuff is more so just buzz and, and and speculation but from the athletic elijah moore seems to quote have firmly established himself as the number one wide receiver for the New York Jets. That's how he's been being drafted firmly above Wilson, way ahead of Corey Davis. But it's encouraging that Elijah Moore has, you know, been living up to the hype so far in camp as a second year player who flashed. Are you buying this, that Elijah Moore is sort of the superstar of the group at this point? Yeah, I think that the the buzz and speculation, as you coined it, is because you are off Elijah Moore. Mm-hmm. I think I think that uh you don't want to be wrong about him. Mm. And and you're hoping that you know Garrett Wilson becomes the wide receiver one. But I'm hoping Denzel Mims becomes the wide receiver one. I mean you're gonna, you're going to be hoping for a long time. But Elijah Moore I think as it stands right now is probably the correct Jets wide receiver one. That's how the market has it. I think he's a pretty solid pick. Obviously, a lot of it rides on Zach Wilson and whether or not he improves and the offensive efficiency improves in general. So that is still to be determined, but I I would agree and we we talked about it on a couple of podcasts ago that Elijah Moore is the Jets wide receiver one and you know he's he's probably he's probably the guy um the the go-to guy in the offense is is his upside worth his ADP he's sandwiched between guys like Thielen Michael Thomas Devontae Smith is that a fair range for him right now I would say that's pretty fair I think that he has a similar ceiling to all of those guys he showed it last year even with playing with backup quarterbacks he has 30 plus point games well within his range so I definitely think it's fair obviously I think there's just a lot of bias against Jets players in general just because they haven't been good for so long and they rarely ever have players who are productive over the entire course of the year and now that Elijah Moore is there he's going as a wide receiver 34 I, th- I think that could give people some pause but I, I don't I don't think so I, I think he's going to be pretty solid this year what do we think about Nico Collins he's been a guy who's consistently risen for the entirety of the offseason obviously John Mechie now gone 
on from the team at this point. Sort of clear cut a 1-2 with Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins. But Collins has just been a matchup nightmare at, at Texans camp. Some of that could be the, you know, dire quality of their defensive backs, potentially. But Collins, you know, he's he's a big body. He's athletic. He's like a prototypical wide receiver one from a prospect standpoint. And I don't know, man, like I could see a scenario where Nico Collins just absolutely obliterates his ADP and has been one of the best wide receiver picks all offseason. Like, does he have, you know, 65 and a thousand and eight in his range? I, I think he does. Yeah, I think that's probably a pretty hopeful projection for Nico Collins. I think that'd probably be towards the top of his range. I think if you are projecting a stat line for Nico Collins. It's probably somewhere around like 50, 55 for 700 and like four or five touchdowns just because the the offense is probably going to, to be relatively bad compared to other offenses in the NFL. Obviously, a lot of people are high on Nico Collins just as a talent as a player and there is a ton of opportunity, but I think I think the brakes need to be pumped a little bit on an unproven Houston Texans wide receiver led by quarterback Davis Mills. Well, hey, as we've said, you know, Mills has been undervalued. Like he was, you know, damn near the best rookie quarterback last season, right? Second best. Second. Okay. Okay. There there was a clear cut best rookie quarterback last year and I from know a result, like dis- from a re- from a results standpoint from a team winning standpoint from an on-field standpoint it was Mills it was always Mills stop it who was the only rookie quarterback to make the playoffs yeah from a team perspective yes Bill Belichick made the playoffs I know <laughs> from a stat perspective <laughs> team perspective everything perspective there's a clear-cut best rookie quarterback last year and that was a uh, Sir McCorkle Jones McCorkle that's his first name. You're lying. That's not why his first I, name, is it? Why would I lie? I don't I don't know if you're lying. I hope you're lying. If his name is McCorkle, then he's going to be out of the league in two years. Nah, that's his, it's his middle name. It's his middle name. <laughs> his, his his first name is Michael. All right. Thank God. That, that I almost had a conniption just like, what? Okay. <laughs> well, you know, while we're on the subject, uh, let's talk about McCorkle's pass catchers. And I'm interested in your opinion on this. You know, as our resident biased Patriots fan, who do you think is going to be the most productive wide receiver? Like break it down for me in terms of who's going to finish with the most points in 2022. There's been a lot of buzz so far around Parker and what he's been doing so far. I think that from a talent perspective, that makes sense. Devontae Parker is probably the best wide receiver on the Patriots, but you know, I don't know after that, who is going to have what role they've been talking up Aguilar, you know, Kendrick Bourne was a full-time player for them last year. Jacoby Myers is somewhere in that mix. They added Tyquan Thornton in the second round. Like, how does this play out outside of Devontae Parker probably being the consensus wide receiver one there for New England? Yeah, I think that Parker is the most talented player on the roster, but I don't think he's going to finish with the most fantasy points. I think that is Jacoby Myers, especially in full PPR formats. I think that Jacoby Myers is a target earner. I think that him and Mac Jones have a pretty solid connection, and I think that he has the highest overall target upside out of any player on the Patriots offense. So I think the best bet out of this group would be Jacoby Myers to lead the uh, wide receivers in points, and then he's due for some regression to the mean in terms of touchdowns only scoring two touchdowns last year on 126 targets last year that's definitely going to regress to the mean and 
I think he is the best Patriots wide receiver to draft currently. And the market does have Jacoby Myers as the top Patriots wide receiver with Devontae Parker two spots below him as the wide receiver uh, 61. Jacoby is the wide receiver 59. I mean, I know you're a big Jacoby guy. You always have been. You guys share a birthday. There's a bond there between the two of you. But I mean, with with this recent Nelson Aguilar buzz, is there not a world where we have Parker and Bourne on the outside, Aguilar in the slot, and Myers just sitting on the sideline watching? Why would Aguilar play in the slot? It's the best place for him to fit with with Parker and Bourne on the outside, no? No, stop it. He's versatile. Aguilar is an ex-wide receiver. Aguilar's an ex-wide receiver, so if anything, he'd play outside. Jacoby is locked in as the slot wide receiver. They've always had, you know, a designated slot guy in these Bill Belichick offenses over the years, and that's Jacoby Myers. So he's going to be out on the field quite a bit. Nelson Aguilar is, is nothing but an 18th to 20th round dart throw, which I do like. I do think he will have some spike weeks. Uh, they still gave him a pretty nice contract last offseason, and he's still going to be involved in, in the offense. So I think Aguilar is definitely being underdrafted in best ball, but let, let's let's stop the Jacoby Myers slander. He's, he's probably the best wide receiver on the Patriots. Two things. One, Nelson Aguilar has an ADP of zero, so you can get him for free, and I, I actually think that's pretty solid. And secondly, uh, Aguilar played 49% of his snaps in the slot last year, so if he's taking this step forward, I don't know. I don't know. Might be uh, might be 10 time for Jacoby, but I hope I hope it doesn't go that way. Shut up. <laughs> you don't know anything. <laughs> All right, tight end position, not too much going on. Irv Smith had surgery on his thumb, but is expected to be back for week one. I will continue to be drafting Irv Smith in this soon-to-be pass-heavy Minnesota Vikings offense. Hopefully, we get a little bit of discount because he's got the red Q next to his name now on drafters. Other than that, it's just a couple of rookie stories. And I'll be honest, man, you know, I, I opened up Roto World this morning and I was just hype because the first thing that I saw was a blurb on your boy Jelani Woods. Yeah. Right? I, I, I have to I have to interrupt you because there's some breaking news. I I see this coming across yeah. my screen as well. All Hollywood right. Brown arrested for criminal speeding. Brown was not present for the portion of practice available today, Wednesday. He has been out of practice while recovering from a hamstring injury. It's a rough start to training camp for a player trying to get reps with a new quarterback and a wildly different scheme from the one he played in last week. Still, this isn't likely to cost him more than a day or two in camp. The charges shouldn't be worthy of a suspension in the league's eyes per NBC Sports Edge, a.k.a. Roto World. Does this affect anything for you, Marquise Brown, breaking news? Nah, I mean, we, we've all been there, so. You especially. On the regular yeah actually i i have a court date coming up <laughs> soon for driving 103 miles an hour so we'll see how that goes yeah but i mean you're not going to be suspended from your job marquise brown's not going to be suspended from from his job i think that this is a non-story essentially but yeah. that was interesting i i just got worried when i saw when i opened this and saw marquise brown arrested all right Damn, what back was to, i saying back to jelani woods oh yeah. jelani woods okay he, yeah so he this looks was lost your... out there huh 
so apparently he looks lost at times and and you know this was a guy that you touted as a potential breakout you know your deep sleeper the tight end whisper jelani woods and now i'm not gonna lie i'm starting to think that there might be a, a bit of a curse to the guys you tout because now we're going back and josh oliver you touted him he missed the entire year with an injury last year it was jacob harris if i'm not mistaken he missed the entire year too <laughs> did he not and now Jelani I Woods. About Jacob Harris. Yeah, I didn't. And now, now Jelani Woods looks completely lost. And and I don't know. Are you the tight end whisperer, or or do you just whisper <laughs> curses upon these these men's names? I might whisper curses, to be <laughs> honest. Uh, yeah, just just unfortunate. Obviously, when we talked about Jelani Woods, he was a long shot, unlikely dart throw. And yeah, I think that he he could see opportunity, but the rookie tight end learning curve is, is just super high. Unless you're an athletic specimen, generational talent like Kyle Pitts, I think that Jelani Woods' stat line at the end of the year is probably going to be like 12 catches for... 90 yards in a touchdown that's probably not gonna get it done to be honest but <laughs> probably not that's <laughs> that's why he's a super duper long shot in uh 20 round drafts you know a long shot that i've been taking in, in 20 round drafts at tight end was trey mcbride you know he was supposed to be the best tight end in this incoming class the cardinals used a second round pick on him it's a high-powered offense the only competition ahead of him is ancient zach Ertz. now that being said, we haven't heard a single whisper. There hasn't been anything about Trey McBride doing anything at camp. And in fact, he was absent from camp today without any sort of explanation as to why. Maybe he was in the car with Marquise Brown. I don't know. But I, I don't know. Is, is Trey McBride just hands off year one and it was just sort of overzealous to assume he would have a role this year? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that Zach Ertz is the clear cut guy there for them at the tight end position. And I think Trey McBride is the long-term play, mm -hmm. and he he isn't going to do much this year unless there is a Zach Ertz injury. And in that case, I think he's still a fine draft pick in the 20th round, in the 18th round. But his, his end-of-season stat line is going to be pretty bad, and I, I wouldn't expect him to play much year one. No, I'm starting to adjust my expectations to that as well. All right, final little blurb here is really just that the Greg Dolchich hype out of Denver is excessive. It is literally every single day I'm seeing something about this dude. And, you know, we, we like to, as I mean, as we've been talking about, you know, the, the curve for learning at the tight end position is so steep. It's hard to imagine him coming in and making a year one impact, especially with Albert O in front of him, Albert O six. 258 just monster athlete 98th percentile 40 hundredth percentile speed score i just don't understand the hype around greg dolchich like i just don't see how he was ever carve out a role with albert o there unless albert o is just bad but from what we know of albert o and from his profile i don't think that that's the case so i don't know if this is just training camp noise but albert o's down 7.3 spots in adp over the last week and the thing that i'm going to be doing is just buying the dip on him and sort of fading this Dolchich hype. I think now a lot of the hype will come from the speculation that they could potentially run more two tight end sets, sets with Tim Patrick tearing his ACL and Dolchich does profile as a pass catcher in the NFL at the position. I think that's where a lot of the hype is coming from. Do I think he is going to overtake Albert O as the tight end one in Denver? Probably not, but at an ADP 
of 213, I think it's okay to take shots on Greg Dolchich. And I, I wouldn't expect much out of him this year, but there there could definitely be some weeks where he scores a touchdown. And then obviously you have the upside of an injury if Albert O were to go down. I I, I think he's I think he's fine. But the the hype is kind of getting out of control. I think. Look at this picture. I, our listeners can't see this, but that's Greg Dolchich. I just sent you his headshot, bro. This dude's a goofy. This dude is a stone cold <laughs> goofy. He is not unseating Albert O. I'm sorry. Stop the cat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is going to be it for episode 239 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on in the podcast, join our inner circle via the free Discord channel. The link to do so is in the show notes to the podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Vibes. Vibes.